This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick, and it hurts a lot when I shave normally, with a bad razor at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five-blade razor, and I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair. It doesn't hurt one bit, no tugging, anything like that. And it stayed sharp the entire time as well. I'm very impressed so far. It also has kind of a good weight to it. It's like heavier than normal. I don't know. It's like, it's just got a good weight to it. I really like that. I didn't know I liked it before, but now I know I like it. I also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com otherworld. That's harrys.com slash otherworld for a $3 trial set. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Before we start today's episode, I have a quick announcement. We are actively seeking new stories for the podcast. So if you have a story you've considered sending in, or if your friend or family member does, now is a good time to do so. I say this at the end of every episode, but right now I'm going to say it at the very start. If you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could email us your story at stories at otherworldpod.com. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. The story comes from a woman named Allie who emailed me about a series of things that have happened in her life, which seem to be connected. And look, there's a lot of people who notice patterns in their life that maybe aren't really there. But Allie is not that type of person. I would describe Allie as very clinical. She originally went to school for neuroscience, and you could tell when you listen to her reflect on these experiences. I think normally she would be the type of person to want to completely dismiss all of the things that you're about to hear her talk about. However, the series of events that have happened have caused her to reconsider her skepticism and that eagerness to dismiss. I think if it weren't for the fact that other people were with her during some of these events, she would probably end up doubting herself more than she already is. A pattern began to emerge in these experiences that seemed to indicate that something or someone was with Allie, possibly watching over her for who knows how long. It's entirely possible that whatever this is, is still with Allie to this day. Maybe it was even with her when she told me the story that you're about to hear. This is episode 44. The title is Next to Allie, and you're listening to Otherworld. Hello? Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science, you can't argue with. A story about All the up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally, this, I'm going to die. I'm five it it's okay. limbs were just like wrong. It's just Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a minute.
Yeah, so I'm Ali. I'm from Chicago originally, but uh, we moved around a lot um, when I was younger. Um, and I've, yeah, I've kind of continued um, moving around uh, as I've gotten older. I work in marketing now, um, but I've had kind of a roundabout way of, of getting there. Um, I studied cognitive science uh, at school with a focus in neuroscience. So it's a yeah, an interdisciplinary study of the mind. So basically taking different fields to try and understand the mind and the brain. So obviously neuroscience is part of that or psychology, but um, you also have other things like philosophy or sociology, computer science, and just yeah, all of these different approaches to really try and understand how we work and how we perceive things. I was kind of always spiritual. Um, yeah, I just sort of always felt like I, I believed that there was something else um, going on more than just what we see um, at, at face value, um, but for, not really for any particular reason. And I think my sisters are like that as well. We just always sort of were like, yeah, like there's there's probably something else out there. I think I'm a very skeptical person. I'm, I'm certainly inquisitive. Um, I just kind of always wanted to know why things are the way they are or how things work. Um, I think that's kind of what led me to, yeah, what I studied in, in school. There are so many strange experiences people have, often shared experiences um, that feel very, very real and very, very unsettling, but can be, yeah, probably easily explained away by something in the brain, how, how something in the brain works or something in the brain malfunctioning. One obvious example of like the, the sleep paralysis um, stuff, which I've, I've had experiences with and I know many people have, um, we learned about that in school and I remember finding it fascinating, but it's just really like when you're sleeping, your brain is sending signals to your body to let it know that it's asleep and that it shouldn't move. So it's essentially putting your body into a temporary paralysis. And usually that kind of lifts before, yeah, before your consciousness starts to come back. Um, but what they think is happening with sleep paralysis is that your consciousness starts to come back to reality before your your body is released from this state and um, it becomes hyper aware of the fact that it, it's immobile um, which can be very frightening and since you're also still coming out of dreamland um, your brain kind of carries over these nightmarish images um, in order to explain the physical sensation of not being able to move and that's why people often think they see something in their room or, or have a, a scary feeling and um, yeah maybe that's not true but that's certainly the one of the leading theories um, and so there's lots of things like that where I'm, I'm fascinated to learn about it also because when people tell me their stories I can say oh have you ever heard about this um, theory of, of why that's happening yeah, I've had um, a series of, of strange um, experiences, I, I guess, um, happen over the course of many years, I guess over, over a decade or more. For me, it started in 2010 when I was a senior in high school. And the first incident was maybe a similar experience that other people have had. It's kind of your classic um, Ouija board uh, experience. That year, I, I was in a new school my senior year, and um, I became friends with some, uh, some of these girls, and, and they were part of a group of kids that would hang out at this, this one house in, in town that these two brothers lived at. Um, and one day, we went there after school, and two of the girls from the older group had a Ouija board, and they were very excited about it. They had just got it that week, and they were making everyone try playing Ouija. So we got convinced to, to play. Um, it was me and then two of my friends. And then I believe it was three or four of the older kids. It was just kind of like a party thing. Let's sit down and, and give it a go. I had never 
played Ouija before or whatever you want to say, tried Ouija board. But of course, uh, it was something I was interested in. I always had wanted to, to try it. And that being said, I also had looked it up before because I really, I always wanted to know with sort of supernatural things, paranormal things, um, if, if we're to automatically assume that it's not real, what is the explanation for how it's happening? And what I had discovered um, before this was that yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever did this uh, sort of, like, it's like an elementary school trick where you hold a string that has like a little weight attached at the bottom. And then you think about a shape and slowly the weight at the bottom of the string will start to move in that shape. So if you're thinking about a circle, that's it, quite simple. It can start to move in a circle. But even if you get more complex and you start thinking of a triangle or a square, you will see the, the weight start to, to move um, in the shape of, of the square or whatever you're thinking of. Um, that's basically just because you have like very small receptors in, in your fingers. And when you're thinking about it, you're subconsciously sending a signal to your finger to, to create this small movement. So even though you can't detect that you're doing it, you are causing it. That is the, at least at the time, that was um, the main explanation for how a Ouija board works, that if you're playing it, you really want it to work, then you're going to move the planchette, the little um, signal thing um, subconsciously. So because I had already looked that up and that's, that's how I understood it worked, um, I made everyone hold their arms up in the air, like ha basically having your elbows pointed up at the ceiling so that your hand is just kind of dropped loosely down. And then I had everyone just lightly put their finger on the planchette, really more like at the, like on the fingernail. So really where you don't have a lot of, of control. So that was how I was trying to avoid um, anyone subconsciously moving it or, or kind of cheating and, and directing it. But <laughs> despite um, that, despite my best efforts, it, it was really... Uh, unlike, I don't really know how to explain it. it the the planchette, the little um, messenger thing, it just shot out immediately from under our hands. I, I really remember the whole time um, struggling to even just barely graze my finger on the planchette. It was moving so quickly, and um, the the same with with all of us. It was like we were all trying to to keep up with it. Um, so that's how it, how it started. Um, and we went about it kind of the way anyone would go about using a Ouija board, starting, you know, is there something here? It immediately goes over to yes, um, saying, you know, are you a good spirit? Yes, whatever. Asking all of these um, sort of simple establishing questions. Um, then people started asking, yeah, more, more personal questions. Again, I don't know, um, I didn't know the people very well. I cannot remember their questions, but from their reactions, it, it seemed like they were getting correct uh, answers. And then one of my friends who, who was also playing, um, she was skeptical. She didn't like believe it at all. And so she was like, oh, okay, yeah, if, if, if you're real, then where am I going next year? Because again, we were seniors. Um, so most of us were preparing to go to, to college. Um, she had, however, she ended up going to a program in Tel Aviv, like a, a, a one-year temporary program. And she had literally just decided this. Um, I think it was probably that day or maybe the day before that she had just told me and my other friend um, that she made that decision. And so she asks this question and um, the board in, immediately spelled out Israel. And again, the other people there, they would not have known because she also, she was just kind of deciding that she hadn't really told anyone else and they weren't her close friends. There's no way they, they would have known. So that was um, the first thing that for me w was really a, a bit unnerving. I, I honestly, <laughs> like I was kind of terrified from the moment it started because the the planchette was moving so fast and I, I was a bit taken aback. Um, that was me trying to kind of myth bust it. And I, I did not anticipate it being, um, uh, yeah, so extreme right off the bat. So I hadn't said anything. I didn't ask any questions. And then somebody else asked, okay, if you're, if you're really here, then where are you? And it spelled out next to Allie. 
And this was immediately for me, uh, like I just got full body chills because it spelled out my name correctly. My, my full name is Alyssa. And I think, yeah, at least from my experience, most Alyssas that I meet, they don't uh, shorten their name. They just go by Alyssa. Um, but I always went by Allie. And so I spelled my name that way, A-L-Y. Um, and this was like before um, Instagram, I guess we had Facebook, we weren't super active on it, but it's just like, I guess we weren't, people weren't often seeing my name written down. And especially that since we were playing with a group of people that I barely knew, I, I do not believe that they knew how to spell my name correctly. Um, and yeah, for me, that was, that was enough. And I just uh, got up and uh, stopped, stopped playing then. Yeah, that, that's the, the first incident. I just kind of left it there. For me, it, it was, um, I would say negative. Like I said, I was trying to kind of understand, okay, how, how are people playing Ouija? How does this work? Um, I didn't expect, um, my solution to be so quickly disproven and then to signal that it was right next to me. That was pretty unnerving for me. So then the next incident was years later. It, it was after, yeah, so I had already gone to university. I had been working for a little bit and I was getting ready to move to London uh, for work. And I was visiting my godmother and she thought as a fun, like going away gift, um, that it would be fun to go have my tarot cards read. So we went to one of those like crystal spiritual shops um, in a nearby town and they had someone in that day um, and they had written on the board what services um, were available. So you could do palm reading, tarot cards, you could try to channel um, a, a deceased loved one. You could try to look into your future. Uh, there, there were several options and I think uh, I think palm reading was cheapest, and then tarot cards. Like I just was doing it for fun. This wasn't I wasn't really like trying to discover my uh, my future. So um, we go to do the the tarot reading. Uh, the the lady, the medium, um, took me into a, a back room, and it just started. You know how you would expect, like laying out the cards and just kind of yeah, expressing certain things about my my personality uh, and what these cards meant. Um, this is also a thing, um, like I, I like to have experiences like that just because it's, uh, I see it as a way to, yeah, it kind of forces you to, to self-reflect without having to think of it as like, okay, the, the truth lies in these cards. Um, there's also something uh, called the, the Barnum effect where uh, when you are given really generalized information, but you're told it's about yourself, you you believe it to be highly accurate, you, you really think it's true. Um, and so, you know, I, again, I have this in mind and I'm just thinking, yeah, this is like a fun experience where I can uh, interpret this as however real as I, I want it to. But I would say like halfway through it, um, I could tell that the, the medium, she was getting a little frazzled. Um, she just seemed a bit distracted and she was kind of, you know, looking off to the side and she seemed very warm. She kept asking me like if, if it was warm in there, which it, it was actually. And then at some point she stopped and said, I'm really sorry, but um, there, there's something like coming through right now. Um, and it, it's really, um, it's making me tell you, like, I, I have to tell you that, that something is here. And so I, I again, uh, know, yeah, with a, a psychic or something, uh, people often say, you know, they, they can try and, and read you or try and um, pick out something that happens to a lot of people and then lead you into giving more information. So I really didn't say anything. I was just like, let's see, let's see what, what she has to say. Um, and yeah, she didn't really need me to say anything. She just, uh, said it's starting to become clearer, um, that there was like a woman right next to me and, um, the, the medium, she was 
again, very, very frazzled. Um, she kept saying, I've never seen this before. I've never seen something like this before. And she basically said that it was confusing because um, a woman was basically materializing next to me, but it looked like me, like almost identical to me, except um, several years older. She said exact same um, face shape, same features. Uh, she had long hair. She was wearing a, a, a long flowy dress or skirt. She seemed different to me, but but looked otherwise like a like an older version of me. Um, she also said it was uh, yeah unique to her because usually when something would materialize in a reading, a, a guardian angel she called it or a guide or something um, that she sees something like that behind the person uh, as if, you know, protecting them. And um, if it's a deceased loved one or someone just trying to, to communicate like that, that they usually appear around her because they're trying to pass the message to her to deliver. But uh, she said, for me, it was clearly just someone right next to me as if there were two of us getting a, a tarot card reading and that, um, stranger than that, that, that she looked exactly like a, like an older version of me. Um, so <laughs> she delivers this information to me and then, um, was like, okay. And then just keeps trying to, to read the, the cards. Um, and I'm also at this point a bit, uh, distracted as well, because I'm again being told that something is next to me and I cannot see it. Um, and as it went on, she kept being like, okay, okay. And would say, sorry, I, I, I have to, I have to listen again. And so uh, essentially at this point, we just abandoned the tarot card reading and she's just fully listening to this being and telling, telling me bits as they become clear to her. And she said that, um, it's, yeah, it, it's a woman who, um, has been with me my, my whole life. She thinks of me as her spiritual daughter that she also had a daughter, but her daughter was not spiritual or, or open to anything um, of that nature. And so once um, she she passed, she couldn't uh, communicate with her daughter, but that she found me and and yeah, felt connected. And she thought her name was Sarah, <laughs> which, yeah, so I, I call her Sarah but she couldn't really get any other identifying information. Um, it's just this sort of spirit, spirit mother that I, I have. And the, the last thing she said was that um, as I uh, get more, in, if, as I reach my 30s, that I should be able to communicate um, more or with this other dimension. I don't know if that means with her or, or what, but it, this was a sort of little ominous uh, last bit and then um, and then she left. At this point we were well past 20 minutes. She had set a timer for the tarot card reading and, and, and that had gone off um, ages ago and then as soon as she said she left the medium was like I, I'm sorry I, I, have to, I have to go I have to go I have to get air and then she just left me in in the back room um, and so I just kind of slowly also went to the the front of the, the store. Um, it's important to note, like, again, I really just was there for a tarot card reading, like for fun. And this is one of the, the cheapest option. I was not at all expecting some sort of, um, yeah, spirit communication. And as uh, was written on the board there, that was an option, but you have to pay more for it. You have to be there longer. And I, I, I could understand if I had paid for that and then yeah, someone is thinking, okay, I have to put, put on a show. But that's not the case. I really paid the, we paid the, the cheapest option, just wanted to have our cards read. And then this, this just happened. So for me, that, that felt. And um, my godmother told me that before I had come out, she saw obviously the medium coming from the back room and, and just kind of frantically leaving. Um, and she had tried to make conversation. My godmother said, like, oh, how'd it go? And the woman just 
did, like looked like she couldn't hear anything and just went outside and um, was out there smoking a, a cigarette uh, stove when we when we left. I, I was definitely spooked um, by the experience, and, and like I said, um, this is this is being told to me from a woman who this is her career, right? Like she she's always doing readings like this, um, various kinds of readings, and just the. The confusion that I could feel coming from from her um, was quite unsettling as it was happening. Also, you know, for me, I, I'm just sat in a room and it's quiet except for the medium talking to me. But it, very clearly, she was getting a lot of noise. Like, you know, if you can imagine someone um, like hearing a radio that's turned up really loud or they're very overwhelmed in like a crowd she was she was acting like that but to me it was dead silent so um it it seemed really like she was getting a lot of um noise from whatever you want to call it from this spirit from this other dimension whatever it, it may be yeah so for me it, it was um unnerving but again after i left and was telling the story It really, um, I, I guess I hadn't thought of the Ouija board story in a long time. Um, that was then, I guess, four or five years um, before this um, incident. And so it, it kind of stopped being a, a story that I was sharing. And it really just suddenly popped back into my mind. And it was like so clear. Uh, and yeah, it felt really connected to me. And in that way, it was um, sort of a, a relief. I also, when I did the Ouija board experience, because it, it frightened me so much, I, I just got up and left. Um, and in that way, it also felt kind of um, uh, unfinished. I, if you do, I don't know, if you follow um, the rules of, of Ouija board or, or any sort of like seance thing or something, you know, you have to start it you have to open it and then you have to close it. And I couldn't because I was terrified and I left. And so that was another thing that kind of stuck with me where I was like, oh, is this like a scary, I don't know, thing that I've, I've left unresolved. Um, but I just kind of forgot about it eventually. Um, and then with this experience, I was able to see it more in a, a positive light, I think. Um, so it made my memory of the Ouija board experience seem a, a bit less sinister, I hope. Yeah, and then beyond that, um, you know, if you were to believe what the medium told me, um, it, it, it goes way beyond um, my Ouija board experience. This is something that has been with me for my entire life. So then it also made me reflect on previous things Um, not that I had some something like the Ouija board experience or anything before, but um, just because I had said I, I don't know, I always felt um, like I believed in something spiritual or otherworldly, um, being alongside the world as we know it. And then I have to wonder, um, did I think that because I could sense something with me? I don't know. Um, But yeah, I think this is the, again, like I said, the, the one Ouija board experience, a lot of people have a, a freaky situation like that. Um, you could say maybe one of the girls was like, let's prank Allie. And then they figured out, they made sure they knew how to spell my name, whatever. You could explain it away. But when you connect it with this, to me, it, it really felt um, different. It, it felt very real. Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Hey, other world listeners, I'm excited to tell you about a show that I love and I think you're going to love as well. It's called Sophia with an F, starring Sophia Franklin. This show is about as different from other world as a show could possibly be, which is why I think many people were very, very shocked when I got invited on as a guest around Halloween. It was really the crossover that nobody expected. 
I'll never forget the day my episode came out and every single one of my college-age cousins texted me all at the same time. Very confused, but also very excited. It was nice to hear from all of them, though, and uh, finally get some respect. I had a great time on the show. Sophia is really down-to-earth, which is why I think her interviews are so good. We talked about Otherworld, the paranormal, getting into this whole thing unexpectedly, as I did, and a lot of other stuff that I think normally does not get discussed on Sophia with an F. Normally in the show, Sophia Franklin goes deep on sex, life, mental health, relationships, and everything in between. You could get Sophia all to yourself every Monday for solo mini-episodes and every Thursday with her ride-or-die best friends, experts, and some famous guests on a host of other topics, topics that are not safe for the dinner table, from foursomes and sugar daddies to wild sexcapades and tips for keeping things fresh in the bedroom. It's raw and laugh-out-loud funny, no borders and no filters. My personal favorite is the episode with Walk a Flock of Flame, if you want somewhere to start. Listen to and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The next um, experience is really just sort of a series of uh, incidents that that happened um, while I was living in London. Um, and at the time, I, as a joke, I would call it my reverse poltergeist. Um, if you think of the classic poltergeist, like messing things up. Um, I just had a weird series of events where stuff was just appearing that, that I had misplaced, um, things that I could never remember to do on my own, um, all of a sudden would, would be done. Um, and I really have no explanation for, for how that happens. Um, yeah. So you know how, when you're, I don't know, cleaning things up, you have like spots where you always put your stuff, even if it's still messy, like little piles that add up. Um, and there were many times where I was looking for something and it wasn't in any of these spaces. Um, and then I would just give up and go to bed. And then the next morning, the thing would be perfectly placed on display um, in a place that I would never leave something um, because it is um, very much like on display. Like I wouldn't put something right in the the center of the walkway or whatever. I would have just forgotten this um, if the other experiences hadn't happened. But to me, it just felt like there was something there that was being extremely helpful to me um, and it sounded to me like something a mother would do, like, a, you know, if this is Sarah, my spiritual mother, um, it felt to me like something, yeah, that a, a nice spirit companion would do for me. It was happening so often that if I couldn't find something, I just wouldn't worry about it anymore. Cause I was like, well, it's going to, it's going to turn up. Uh, the the best example of this is my my housemate was out of the country at the time. Um, I'm alone in in the flat, um, and I was trying to find the clothes that I wanted to wear for the the next day. And I wanted to wear this shitty red flannel that I've had forever, um, and that I had recently worn. I I knew I had it. Um, at home, um, but I could not, for the life of me, find it. Um, looked everywhere, well, all of the normal clothes spots, all of the not normal clothes spots where maybe accidentally was, I, I couldn't find it at all. And so eventually I, I gave up um, and I went to bed. Um, and then in the morning, um, when I came downstairs, the flannel was um, perfectly folded in a way that I would um, never fold this flannel, um, very perfectly folded and placed on the floor um, in in the doorway from the stairs uh, leading into the living room. So not a place where you would leave something usually because we would have to walk through there. Um, it, It looked to me very intentionally placed there. Um, and this, this was the, I don't know if it was the first one or if it was just the most obviously placed um, object that was returned to me, but this happened 
all the time over this year. Things were constantly reappearing that I just could not find. And again, my roommate was out of the country. No one else had a key. I do not have any explanation for how it, it would have ended up where it was. So since then, I, I've, um, I've since moved to Switzerland and I started dating um, my, my boyfriend um, here. Uh, and after, uh, I don't know, after the first year, we decided to move in together. And so we had just recently um, moved into our new place. And yeah, there was, there was one night where um, he woke me up. Um, I thought he was sleeping. He sounded, he sounded very distressed. Um, and so I, I just leaned over and asked him, hey, what's going on? What's going on? And um, I could see he was looking uh, directly at me then and looked um, very scared and confused and kept asking me how I got into the bed. Um, and I was like, I don't know, like, what do you mean? Like, I, I've been sleeping, I'm, I've been sleeping here. You, you just woke me up. And he said, uh, no, no, like you were there, you were next to the bed. And I was like, no, I've, I've been sleeping next to you this, this whole time. And, um, it just looked then like he was trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and he told me, he said, I, I saw you standing next to the bed, but you were also in the bed. So you were standing next to yourself, watching yourself sleep, um, which uh, immediately, again, it's like the same thing for all of these experiences. It just sent like a shiver down my spine. Um, but I just let it happen. I said, okay, I think, you know, maybe you had a bad dream. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And so he fell back asleep. And then we talked about it in the morning. Um, and yeah, he repeated that. He, he, it wasn't like, oh, I had a bad dream. It was like it, very clear to him that he was seeing me next to the bed. Um, and he, that's the main thing he was focusing on. And then he eventually saw that I was also in the bed. So it was me watching myself sleep. And then I asked him to describe it. And yeah, he said, um, I, I have, I got chills again. He described it the same way that he thought it was me, but when he was looking more close it looked um, like an older version of me. And he said the same thing, the, the long hair, um, a long dress or skirt. Um, and it was extremely familiar to him. He really thought it was me um, until he noticed me also in the bed, um, which then was what, uh, which, yeah, what, what terrified him. And um, I had not told him any of these experiences before. Um, I obviously told him that then, but um, I didn't. I didn't uh, want to also tell him it in the morning until he had fully described it to me. So he had no leading information um, at, at all uh, to know um, that I have apparently a, a spirit named Sarah who looks very much like me. And when I when I told him. Um, the other experiences, it just kind of made sense to him. He was like, well, yeah, that sounds like exactly what I, what I saw. But I think it's also important to note that it's, he's not really a very spiritual person or not that he isn't, but he just, he told me he never thought about these things before. He, he never questioned like, oh, are ghosts real? Do people have other experiences? Whatever. He just never thought about it. Um, for him to have seen this, um, it, yeah, it, <laughs> it also was a little unsettling, um, but, but definitely connected the, the dots for me. All right. Before we start recording, I heard, um, Ali mentioned you might have some reservations about being on the show. I'm not keen to, yeah, to be on the podcast, to be honest. Sure. Um, is that a problem? No, it's not a problem. Um, just so I understand fully, 
is your opposition to being on the show like anonymity, people knowing who you are? Is it about your voice or is it just generally not wanting to be documented or receive attention in any way? Yeah, yeah, that's just in general. I don't like anything which is published from me. So, but I know that's super important to Ellie. So just make it short and don't say who I Nobody's going to know who you are. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's fine. I'm going to do this for Ellie. But <laughs> like, that's, that's just a general thing, like where I try to be. Yeah. Lost. He's very private. It's a yeah. very Swiss thing, also. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Hey, at least at least we know that you're not just making up a story to get on a podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. It was definitely like when it happens. Yeah. You, think- you were definitely scared, and then also like when we talked about it in the morning, it was really like I made you tell it first, like what you saw before I told you, because yeah, yeah. I wanted to see, I wanted to hear what he saw before I was like, yeah, that's that's the same thing. Um, and just the way he described it was like exactly how the the medium had described it, where she was also like very confused, where she was like, yeah, it's clearly like not you, like it's, it is someone else, but it, it is very distractingly you, like it, it really looks like me. And that's basically what, what he said. I remember you being very confused by it, but yeah, yeah. and he didn't. Really, he didn't really want to talk about it the next day, but then I had to tell him that, yeah, about Well, why don't you just start from the beginning and tell me everything you experienced? Uh, yeah, like what what I saw, like like uh, what I mentioned before, like I just woke up, like I wasn't bad, and like um, Ellie was sleeping next to me, so I realized like she was she was there, like not that she was away, and there was like standing this kind of older version of her next to her, like. And not being like bad or mean or whatever, like she seemed to be protective or to Ellie, like that you want to protect Ellie, but she was kind of intimidating to me, like also not in a bad way, just like, hey, like, um, I had the feeling like, don't do anything stupid to her, like, kind of that way. And she was like, didn't say anything, just like from the expression or how I received it. And, um, yeah, like what I said, like she was, uh, probably like an Ellie version, 15 years older or something, like around like uh, 35 to 40. Not super old, like just a little bit older. Seemed like kind of mature, like really what's going on. Not that Ellie's not mature, but um, and like, yeah, like she was standing there like, you know, kind of like how you imagine like a ghost will look like, like hairs open, kind of. Yeah. pale yeah, hair down um, like a kind of a white nightshirtish or a dress I don't know exactly what it was and like yeah just standing on the left side didn't move at all or whatever and just saw her quickly or not not quickly not just like big it was a little bit longer so I could really yeah kind of see her how long into dating was this? it was yeah. within a year within a year yeah within a yeah. year so that's less than a year that's weird too, because it's like that would kind of make sense if you had just started dating, right? Like, why do you think she appeared? I have so no late? idea. I have really no idea. I didn't do anything different or whatever. Uh, she was she was there, and then I told Ellie about it, and then she told me the story of what happened to her, and like kind of saying that uh, this lady, whoever, told her that someone, kind of an older version or older woman, is watching her or protect or. I, you think you said like protecting her? Right? She didn't say protecting, but she just said that she's always. Yeah, she she's always with her. Yeah, that she cares about me. Yeah. So you didn't know any of this. I didn't know anything about this until this day, and then we talked about it. Yeah. What did you tell her when you woke up? Oh, I think I woke her up that night because I I, I was real like frazzled. I was like, "What the fuck's going on? Something's wrong." <laughs> yeah, like when when something like this happens to you, like you are kind of. Yeah, like shocked. And then I was also scared, to be honest. Like, it was just something, not not scared of her in particular that she's going to, but just the, the, the situation was completely new, different. And maybe Ali told you, like, I'm, I don't think that there's nothing else around here, but I think I'm not like to go, like, uh, kind of a ghost whisperer or something. Yeah. I can tell. 
Yeah. That's did you realize it was her right away? Yeah, but not not that I felt like it, it was her, more that I realized after she seemed like her in an older way. Yeah, like wait, did you see it and be like, that's Allie? Oh wait, she's old or nah, no, no, no. It was woman. more like there's there's someone standing because like I, I woke up and I it's it's real not that I that I was dreaming. Like dreams are usually like you think everything is real and then the next day you wake up or when when you can remember the dreams then it felt real in this moment. You know what I mean? Like when you when when you're dreaming, it's something like really everything, even if the world is completely different and you're acting with different people or whatever, it's like not that you question like what's happening when you're dreaming. But in this moment, like I woke up and I was like really aware that I'm waking up or I felt I was aware about it. And then there was someone standing next to the bed and this is like completely frightening to some or to me at least like it's just because i it, it was a stranger and that was also frightening i didn't think like oh ellie is standing there i think it's fine i'm going back to sleep it was like ellie's next to me and they're standing an older not an old woman like just a woman which is older than ellie and then like at the second uh impression or like when i was like hey that's that's ellie in an older version but then it also like as it happened like it disappeared, kind of. Do you remember if she was like in color or if she was in black and white or anything? Uh, not black and white, but not like it, it was dark. And I would say like in a kind of um, in this setting, kind of glowing, not like not not glowing in a not super bright, but it was there was color, but not like uh, super colorful, colorful because she was dressed like in a in a white dress, like kind of pale from the skin. And like dark hair, but like with a little, yeah, blue, bluish light, I would say. Yeah. yeah. This is how I remember it. <laughs> That's very strange. The last question, I guess, is like, has this, has anything happened since? Has it changed like no. the way you guys? No, no. no. We, were, we were always kidding. We gave her a name and it was just like, yeah, she's always here. And like, when, and sometimes you, you, yeah, you're sitting on the couch and like you have to, weird feeling that someone is around, like we are sitting up or saying like, hey, like Sarah is around. But not that I ever see anything weird again. So what do you make of all of this now? I mean, you kind of came into this as like a scientific person. Like, has this changed the way you think of things? I don't know, because I, I mean, like I said, I, I always felt um, like I believed in spiritual things or the possibility of paranormal things um but yeah i always wanted to approach it from a from a scientific standpoint um yeah each individual one like i said maybe you could explain a certain way or could be explained by other um, factors but when you look at it all together um (laughs) like scientifically you 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 can make a connection there. That's just how these things work. When you when you start to, to have these experiences and, and they they have a connecting element, um, I guess how how can you not um, sort of how could how can you not believe it? Science is about discovering things. It is about um, not knowing and then trying to figure it out and then knowing. And that's always been been the case. And I, I think of myself as scientific or inquisitive in, in that way, in that I very much know we don't know everything. And there's a lot of um, people who will just say they don't believe in anything um, paranormal or what that, that it's all fake. And um, I think that's the least scientific way that you could approach something. It's just saying, well, we know everything, like, I guess we'll, we'll close up shop. But I, I do think what's confusing to me is that, yeah, like I said, since I am open to to these ideas and, and what they could be, um, I just find it interesting that if you take my story as 100% true for, for exactly what it is, um, that, that there is a spirit, Sarah, a spirit named Sarah, who's been with me my whole life, um, I don't understand why she hasn't shown herself to me. Because, yeah, there's sort of implications or the Ouija board saying they're next to me. But otherwise, um, if you're talking about true 
communication appearing uh, visually to someone, it's been to that medium that I saw and then to my boyfriend. So that that's sort of interesting to me that um, that I wouldn't have the personal experience of seeing her. Um, although she did give that that ominous message that um, as I go into my 30s, maybe I will be able to communicate more um, with such things and I am I did just turn 30 last year so maybe maybe there will be another another stop in this uh, journey for me all right I want to thank Ali and her boyfriend so much for telling us this story I love this one and I cannot stop thinking about it particularly because whatever this thing is looks like an older version of Allie. And I've never quite heard that one before. It opens up so many questions. Is it presenting itself that way? Is this some kind of ancestor that looks like Allie? Is it literally some kind of alternate version of Allie? Or maybe even her higher self, if you will? You could really go on and on. What is it why is it there? How did it get attached to her? And is it still there? Not to mention, why has it not shown itself to Allie, but shown itself to all of these other people? The other thing is what she was calling the reverse poltergeist. These little helpful things around the house that were really, really interesting to me. I'm so used to hearing the opposite of that on this show. It was actually really refreshing to hear Allie's version. And I'm personally very, very grateful for my non-haunted house, but if there were some kind of older version of me that wants to come around and maybe pick up my laundry and possibly help edit podcast episodes, I'm perhaps willing to reconsider. That brings us to the end of this episode. This is episode 44. The title is Next to Allie, and you're listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Cobraman. The soundtrack of this episode is by Juice Jackal and North Americans. This episode was edited by Justin Mayfield and engineered by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. Please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. If you want to hear bonus episodes of Otherworld, you can become a patron at patreon.com otherworld. Our social media is at OtherworldPod on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to the team at Odyssey. J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese-Dennis, Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Klauser, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you can send us your story at stories at otherworldpod.com. 